Okay, as we close out this last chapter in Timothy, we've dealt with the, the apostasy, the great apostasy in chapter 3, which is the great falling away. And in our men's study, we had a, a great discussion last Wednesday night about what exactly this falling away means. And um, there was discussion about, well, if you've really saved, can you fall away? And then there was the discussion of, well, were they really saved in the first place? And I tried to explain to the guys, don't spend too much time worrying about that. As long as you're abiding in Jesus, you are eternally saved. Does that make sense? Pastor Chuck, Pastor Chuck Smith used to say all the time, I don't worry about that because I know that I'm eternally saved as long as I'm abiding in Jesus Christ. Why would you not want to abide in Jesus Christ? So once you're in there, keep the fire stoked, keep the fire going, and that's something you never have to worry about. And leave that to God to separate the sheep from the wolves. He'll, he'll do that. And as we've said many times, there's going to be people in heaven that you're going to be real surprised made it. And there's going to be people you thought would have been there that perhaps would not be. So he's dealing about this falling away. And he said in 2 Timothy 3.1, this is just, just a little recap to get us going. But know this, that in the last days, perilous times will come. Now we have a tendency to look at our environment right now, and we go, well, it's perilous times. And probably going to get worse before it gets any better. Better, Yes, it is perilous times, but I would like you to think back in history and think of the perilous times that people must have been facing of many, many times. So in this last day, perilous times are going to come, but there have been perilous times before. So again, don't get too caught up in that to where it begins to affect every single day of your life to where you get so consumed by it, worrying about tomorrow that you're not living today and not having the fun that God would have you have in Christ, the joy that God would have you have and the contentment that God would want you to have in Christ. Leave tomorrow to Him. He took the time after that to kind of explain what that would look like, what these people that uh, our falling away would look like and what that time would look like. And I'll just give you verses. Thir uh, first, I will give you verse 13 of 2 Timothy 3. But evil men and imposters will grow worse and worse, deceiving and being deceived. Yes, it's true today. It was true yesterday. It was true during Hitler's time. It was true, and it's been true, and it'll continue to be true. And the point again is leave that in the Lord's hand, and let's move on. Now, I want to ask you a question. If you knew this week was your last week on planet Earth, well, I guess even when we croak, we'll still be on planet Earth somewhere. But my point is alive and kicking, right? If you knew this was your last week, what would you want to say? What, what would be your words? Who would you speak to? What would you want to tell your kids? What would you want to tell your husband or your wife? 
What would you want to say to the people that are the most important to you? What would be those things that have meant the most to you that you would want to pass on? Some of you have heard of Harriet Tubman. Some of you have not. But she was a slave turned underground railroad guide and Civil War spy. I encourage you, if you haven't heard much about her, please do some reading on her. She was an amazing woman. And when she was about to die in 1913, she gathered her family around and they sang together. Some have said her last words were swing low, sweet chariot. But there was an exchange of words after that. After the beautiful music had stopped, her actual last words were, give my love to the churches. Tell the women to stand firm and I go to prepare a place for you. Now, if you look on the internet, you can find movie stars and all kinds of people whose last words, they said the last words. But when I saw this, I thought, how appropriate, how appropriate that she was so concerned with being a Christian, her life just exuded helping other people, trying to make their life better. And she left them with those words. My love goes out to the churches. This is kind of what Paul's doing. He's doing it through Timothy, this young pastor, but he's telling this young pastor, keep going. Stay strong. Guys, as Christians, we do need to be careful. One of the reasons why I know Pastor Dan and myself, we exhort you many, many times to, to keep the fire stoked, keep the fire burning, because we need to be preaching and teaching the Word of God. More, maybe now than ever, we need to be continuing to tell people what is the most important thing, not only in life, but even in death. Her, her belief, her, her love, her commitment, even to the end, was keep going. Keep going. If we get our mind on too many other things, it's hard to keep going. And guys, I want to say... And, and for many of you, maybe you're not there yet. But, but church is more than just Sunday morning. It's more than just Wednesday night. That's what separates true Christianity from false religion, or any religion for that matter. Religion, even in and of itself, it's, it's jumping through hoops. I've got to do this or God's going to be mad at me. I have to do this, and God will be pleased with me. The more of this good that I do, the better my chances are of even making it into heaven in the first place. But that wasn't what Jesus did. That wasn't what he said. He made it so easy for us to be able to turn over our life. But Christianity is not just a religion. It's not just a place we go. It's something that... We live. That's why the term born again is used around Christians. You become a completely different individual. You say, you know what? I don't want to live like I was. I don't want to be that person anymore. I want a whole new life. I want to, I want to have a purpose in life. I want to know that what I'm doing means something. I want to make sure I can contribute something in life. And I want to do something that's going to follow me into eternity. 
so that I will hear those words, well done, thou good and faithful servant. Now enter into my rest. So if you're here this morning and and you haven't experienced that, we're not going to sign you up for anything. We're not going to send you tithing envelopes. We're not going to interfere with your life. We just want to give you Jesus. We want to teach his word in simplicity and in truth so that you might be convinced of his reality. And that you might realize that what he wants to give you in exchange for your old life is a great opportunity and a great deal. All right, let's take a look. He tells Timothy in chapter, uh, chapter 3, verse 14, because we left off with 13. I'm going to finish that and go into 4. He says, but you must continue in these things. You must continue in these things which you have learned and been assured of. Now, how did you start in Christianity? Those of you that have given your life to Jesus Christ, how did you start? Falling on her face. Like a little child. God, I have nothing to offer. I can barely walk. But if you'll take me, here I am. Hold on to that. No matter how long you've been in the Lord, no matter how much scripture maybe you've memorized, no matter how many isms, classes you've gone to and done all these other things, hold on to that simple purity and simplicity of Jesus Christ. Because, guys, that's where the strength comes from. That Holy Spirit, that dunamis that falls upon us, that's the strength and the power we need to be able to live in this world. And this world needs Jesus. And where's that word going to come from? You and me. You're worried about how your kids are going to survive in the next 10 years or your grandchildren? God. We got to give them Jesus. We got to continue to preach Jesus to them because this world is going to need it and need it and need it and need it. And we need little evangelists out there. We need little uh, teachers and, and preachers and uh, those who will continue on. And that's what he's saying to Timothy Timothy, you must continue. Anyone here ever been discouraged? Never mind, you don't have to raise your hand. I know you have. You might be surprised, but even young Timothy as a pastor gets discouraged. You might be surprised that David, King David, got discouraged. And you might be surprised that Paul got discouraged. Everybody has a human side. It's like this dichotomy of spirits. The old man that you've lived with all of your life that was involved in sin, worthy of not going to heaven. Then you've got this new being inside of you being born again in Jesus Christ. And you see Paul's struggle with it in Romans 7 and 8 where he goes, I know what I'm supposed to do, but I don't do it half the time. I know what I want to do, but sometimes I fail in doing it. This is a man who'd walked with the Lord a long time. And he says, Timothy, you've you've got to continue with what you've learned. Guys, what you have learned about Jesus should be simple It should be full of grace, and it should be full of mercy. And that's what causes us to fall on their face. It's when you realize that there is someone who went to a cross and died without mercy to save us. 
I don't know about you, but when I really got grasped, got a grasp of that, it changed me from the inside out. I mean, I had a mom who loved me. My dad wasn't around much. I had brothers and sisters who I think loved me most of the time. But it was like that kind of love. That kind of love that would give their life for me. I had never known that. And I think most of us have never known that kind of love. And that's what God wants to give you. And he says, Timothy, continue in that grace. Continue in that mercy. Continue in the teachings that you've already learned. Look at that. Continue in those things which you have learned and been assured of. Knowing from whom you have learned them. And that from childhood you have known the Holy Scriptures, which are able to make you wise for salvation. I think the world needs a little more wisdom, don't you think? (laughs) Make you wise for salvation through faith, which is in Jesus Christ. And then look at verse 16. All Scripture. He doesn't say most of the Scripture. He doesn't say some of the Scripture. He doesn't say you can pick and choose what you want and then throw away what you don't want. Or someone maybe who claims to be a little more educated than you that goes, oh, no, you can't trust that. Okay, he's saying all scripture is given by inspiration of God. And it is profitable for doctrine, for reproof, for correction, for instruction in righteousness, That the man or woman of God may be what? (laughs) Complete. Full. A hundred percent. How many people in the world that you know that they feel complete? How many of them really feel like they're full of joy in life? Like they found the answer, that they grabbed hold of something that's not just how cool they are, or what they drive, or how they look, but it's something that's going to last all the way into eternity. How many people do you really know like that? Very few. Unless you have a lot of Christian friends. You find very few that have that kind of peace. That you may be complete for every good work. So, he's saying, Timothy, keep, keep at it. Guys, you've heard me say, and I'm sure somebody else said it, and I probably got it from them, but it's not how you start. It's how you finish. Some of us started school, kindergarten. Some of us started in first grade. Some of you guys, really smart guys, you went ahead and got your degrees. But some of us didn't finish. Finish. Finish, finish, finish the work, continue on in the work. So how are you doing now? Let's say that you got saved, you had that uh, joy of the Holy Spirit when you first got saved. Maybe that was back in a Sunday school class. Maybe it was recently, but do you still have that? Does your heart still burn with the joy and the love of Jesus Christ? Or has it gotten to be just another hoop to jump through? I can say this, Jesus would never want you to look at his sacrifice as another hoop you got to jump through. He would want you to be so in love with him that you just couldn't stand not spending time with him. 
Now, all of those of you who have fallen in love at one time or another, nobody had to tell you, hey, go spend time with them. Go spend time with them. They had to tell you, quit spending so much time with them. Do your homework. Quit calling them on the phone 24-7. Quit staying up till 1 or 2 in the morning talking to them on the phone. They didn't have to make you because you were in love. That's the way it's supposed to be with Jesus. He wants us to be in love with him. So it's not a I have to, but it's I get to. I get to spend time with him. Now, I want you to see, he says that all scripture is inspired of God. This word inspired is made up of two Greek words. The first word, hope I can pronounce the second one. The first one is theos. That is where we get the word God from. It's the same word from Matthew chapter 1, verse 23, where it says, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Same word that's used. Now, the next one is Naho. That means to breathe or to blow like the wind. John 3.8 says this, that the wind blows wherever it wishes, and you hear the sound of it, but you cannot tell where it comes from or where it goes, so is everyone who is born of the Spirit, the Holy Spirit of God that speaks and works in us. So if you put those two words together, uh, through apneostos, the apneostos is the, the Greek word. But what it means is this, a theophany. Most of you know what a theophany is. That's a visitation from God to man. From God to man. So what does that mean about his word? Paul is saying that God has given us those scriptures. God has visited us and given us those scriptures. Divinely given through man, yes, but in the spirit of a holy God. Because you have so many people saying, oh, it's been watered down. Oh, it's been watered down. This world's not watered down. Truth is watered down. Justice is watered down. Everything is watered down. The one thing you can know for sure is that God's word is not watered down. And I'm hoping that this will prove this to you this morning. Now he says it's profitable for doctrine. Well, what's doctrine? It's profitable for reproof. What's reproof? It's profitable for correction. It's profitable for instruction in righteousness. Now, if you're like me, you didn't have a, a necessarily a normal home, right? It was just my mom. I had six brothers and four sisters. We lived on welfare. It was, a, it was not your normal home. So you don't necessarily have somebody there that can teach you what Paul is trying to teach young Timothy and his, that he got from his mom and his grandmother also. Some of us have to learn it a different way. We didn't, we didn't get that. And most of you who were raised in a Christian home, you resented it anyway. In fact, you're, I've seen this pattern, and I'm not saying you are there, but this pattern seems to be that if you're raised in a Christian home, you have a harder time with it than anyone else. Why? Because you don't know what it's like to get wrapped up totally in sin and lose everything you have and you have nothing to look forward to. You've been raised sheltered. You've been raised in a home where people love you and care about you and they're trying their best to teach you about the things of God. Of course, you have no reference point 
you have no reference point. All you have is the reference point of mom and dad. So you go out and create your other reference point, and if you don't destroy your life, usually at about 20 or so, you start realizing now you've got two reference points to compare, and you go, I don't want that one. Mom and dad weren't so dumb after all. They were trying to teach me how to be a man or how to be a woman in God's eyes. Okay, so doctrine just means teaching. It's good for teaching. I had six brothers and four sisters, no dad there. So my mom was, she had to be the head of the household. She had to be mom and dad. And as a result, most of my brothers grew up same way. In fact, in some cases, a lot worse. They didn't know how a man was supposed to treat a woman. Who are you going to figure that out from? If you don't learn that from dad, if you don't learn it from dad, who are you going to learn it from? The jukebox? That's not going to work. You're going to learn it from a buddy or a friend? Your drinking buddies or your smoking buddies? You need someone. I needed someone to teach me. I needed someone to give me sound doctrine. That word doctrine is mentioned 63 times in the Bible, 12 times in First and Second Timothy alone. In other words, what Paul is saying, the Apostle Paul is saying, is the scriptures are trustworthy. You want to grow up? Read the Bible. You want to learn how to treat others? Read the Bible. You want to learn how to be a man or a husband? Read the Word of God. You want to know how to be a wife or an individual? Read the Word of God. That's where you're going to find it. Now, the next one he mentions is rebuke. What happens when you rebuke somebody? A rebuke is a contradiction. It's hearing something that doesn't fit in with your thoughts. It doesn't fit in with your lifestyle. It doesn't fit in with the way you've been thinking. Even though maybe you've been taught that your whole life. It doesn't fit in. And the word of God is supposed to contradict our thoughts. It is supposed to convict us. It's supposed to convict us of our attitudes. It's supposed to convict us of our sins. That's exactly what it's supposed to do. Sometimes we're so afraid, even with parents, of contradicting our children. Of trying to tell them, the way you're thinking is is just not right. And we can tell them till we're blue in the face. In most cases, they're going to have to learn it the hard way, aren't they? Just like you and I did. But we do our best to try to give them that conviction, that rebuke, that reproof. But it usually doesn't go well. Because when you and I are set in our own ways and we want to sin, because sin is more gratifying instantaneously. Instantaneously. But do it anyway. Out of love for your kids and out of love for the Lord, correct them. Do it out of love, 
Don't have to be mean about it, but sit down and have a conversation and try to, try to do that reproof. That correction comes after the reproof. In other words, you get, you get uh, reproved, if you will. The Bible says, hey, you shouldn't go that way. You shouldn't do this thing. Now, now you've got to do something about it, right? And you've got a choice of either correcting the way you're going or blowing it all off. And if you're like most of us, you're going to blow it all off for quite, a, quite some time. But that's where the correction comes in. I needed all of these in my life. I didn't have the example. I needed all of this stuff in my life. And then instruction. The instruction is the training and the education. Now you guys know that the Bible was the sole textbook in America for quite some time, right? Apologize. The Bible was the sole textbook. In the early schools. I don't know about you guys, but I think we ought to go back to just the Bible in schools and throw the rest of the books away. We'd probably have better children. You know, we're still sacrificing children. Somebody mentioned Moloch this morning. You know, they used to sacrifice babies and children to Moloch for goodwill and for blessing and whatever. They used to kill the children for that. And we're still sacrificing our kids turning them into the hands of people who have agendas and it's just weird stuff that's happening. So how do we learn to correct that? How do we learn how to be the people that we were created to be, to, to be able to experience the joy and to live the life that God actually created you for? That has to come from the Word of God. But before we, we leave these verses, I'd like to point out verse 17, that the man or woman of God may be complete, thoroughly equipped for every good work. If you don't feel complete, I'm guessing it's probably because of your relationship with God. And I'm not talking about, you know, a new boyfriend, new girlfriend. I'm not talking about that kind. I'm not talking about a new car. You know, that'll bring you joy for a little while until someone backs into it or hits it or whatever. Not the boyfriend, the car. But that'll last for a little bit, but then that's gone. I'm talking about the kind of joy that lasts, complete, and equipped, equipped. Say, well, I don't know how to be a father, but God does. So you can be equipped. Well, I don't know how to be a husband. Well, you can because God tells you how, and you will be equipped to do that. I don't know how to be a Christian kid. Yeah, you probably do. You just don't want to follow it. But it's in here. Sometimes in our time now, at least that I see it, even amongst Christians, people are looking for answers outside of the church and outside apart from the Word of God. Now, I want to redefine that a little bit. When I say church, the church is you guys. It's not a building, it's not Calvary Chapel, Central Phoenix, or another Calvary or church down the street. The church is Christians. That's the real church. It's us. So, where are we going to find the answers? They're here. They're here. Instead, we, this is the last one we pick up, right? 
If we can't find it on TikTok, it doesn't exist. <laughs> or on Facebook, or on Reels, or on Shorts, or something else that we can not take up too much time of our day. You know, a few 30-second splashes, and boom, we'll watch as much as we can. And then when it's done, we think we're educated. We think we have so much knowledge It's unregulated, guys, and anybody can pose as being a doctor, a lawyer, a scientist. Uh, they can pretend that they're anything. But when we start looking outside of God's word for answers, you're going to get further and further and further away from the Lord. And you're going to get more and more into depression. And you're going to get more and more discouraged with life. That's just the way that it is. I want to be equipped. How about you? I want to be ready for the things that God wants me to have. And I want to feel like I am lacking nothing. And I feel that way. God's been so good to us. You're here this morning. I saw most of you, you came in vertical. God's been very, very good to you. Very good to us. I've been disappointed by the world. I've been disappointed by friends. I've never been disappointed by God. Never. Okay, the chapter 4, verse 1. He says, I charge you, therefore, before God and the Lord Jesus Christ, who will judge the living and the dead at His appearing and His kingdom, preach the word. Be ready in season and out of season. Convince, rebuke, exhort with all long-suffering and teaching. Keep going, Timothy. Keep going, Timothy. Always have a reason for the hope that lies within you because there's hurting people out there that need to hear about Jesus. Yes, they may turn you down. Yes, they may be mad at you. They may not want anything to do with you. They may come back and tell you to shut up. They never want to hear it again. But don't stop. Don't be mean, don't be cruel, but don't stop loving them. And the greatest gift that you can give them is God and God's word. So don't give up. He says in verse 3, why? For the time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. The time will come when they will not endure sound doctrine. But according to their own desires, because they have itching ears... They will heap up for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and be turned aside to what? Fairy tales, fables, things they just want to hear, things that make them feel good, and be turned aside to fables. And then he says, but you, you, Timothy, be watchful in all things, endure afflictions, do the work of an evangelist, and fulfill your ministry. Now, do you think that time has hit? Do you think that time has hit to where people are turning to whatever makes them feel good? Why is it that this is the book of life and people don't want it? Why is it that you can believe in any God you want to, 
And they'll even give you a prayer mat in prison so you can, so you can pray to your pagan gods. But this is the one they're afraid of. Why is it that it's going to be religion in general, in general that's going to be persecuted, but it's specifically going to be Christians? Why? Have you ever asked that question? Why? If Christians were doing what they're supposed to be doing, right, hospitals came from Christians. Caring about people came from Christians. Christians in general are loving people. They're kind people. They're giving people. Now, I'll be the first to say there's some Christians out there that are not, or people who call themselves Christians who are not nice and give Christianity a bad name. But for the most part, Christianity makes people good citizens. Why would you not want that? The only reason you would not want that is because you do not want people to be full of joy and free. That's the only reason that you would not want that. Because fear is a tactic. Fear is a tactic to get what you want. And Christians down through history, have not been afraid. They faced firing squads. They faced being burnt alive. They faced lions. And in many, many, many cases, they would not deny their God and chose that way of passing rather than deny their God. Why would anybody do that? if God was not real to them. Going to have itching ears. You'll find this if you go through any of the Christian stuff that's going on these days. There's a whole lot of, uh, whole lot of fluff and not much meat. There's a whole lot of fat and not much meat. What do I mean by that? Oh, there's a lot of, uh, a lot of ice cream but not much protein. They're about a mile, mile wide and an inch deep. What do I mean by that? It's all a topical message to make everyone feel good. Guys, I don't know about you, but there's times in my life I need to have someone, I've got to be careful how I say this, there's times in my life, even as an adult man, where I need to be corrected I need to be changed. My thoughts, maybe my heart. This is the whole thing of following your heart, hogwash. Don't follow your heart. The Bible says it's deceitfully wicked and nobody really knows it. Don't follow your heart. That's a bunch of bunk. Don't listen to it. Follow the Lord. Follow what Jesus tells you to do. If you're following what Jesus tells you to do and your heart lines up, awesome, follow that heart. But a lot of times when Jesus tells us something, it doesn't line up with our heart. Because it corrects us and makes us better people. Okay, let me, let me move on. They will heap for themselves teachers, and they will turn their ears away from the truth and, not, 
and be turned aside to fables. And then he says in verse 5, but you, Timothy, you be watchful in everything. Do what, keep, keep alert, know what's going on. Folks, if you're out in the middle of all this and all life means to you is either smoking dope or sleeping around or partying on Friday and Saturday night, I can tell you right now, out of love, you're going to come up empty. You're going to come up empty. And when you do, I just pray that you fall upon the love and mercy of God. Because, as the song said, He'll be right beside you, waiting to pick you up, clean off the, the filth, and, and have you come back. So he's telling Timothy, Timothy, keep going, keep going, keep going, keep going. I know it's hard. I know you're going through things. I know there's persecution in the church. I know that you're hurting and you're being persecuted. Church is being persecuted, but keep going. Now, I'm going to, the being ready in season and out of season, what does that mean? Well, I'm only ready on Sunday. <laughs> I'm only ready on, on Wednesday. Uh-uh. Put on the whole armor of God and get so used to, to it that you hear it clanking around at night when you turn over. Get used to it. Don't take it off. Monday is not the time to take off your armor. Saturday after, I mean, Sunday afternoon, maybe for a nap, you know. But you, but you got to put it back on. Don't, don't be ready in season and out of season. Now, let me ask you this. Any of you here identify as a Christian, you've given your heart to Jesus Christ. Are you ready? If somebody come up to you and said, hey, how do I get saved? Do you know how to lead them to get saved? If someone comes up to you and say, why do you follow this Jesus Christ? Do you know what to say to them? Being ready, instant, in season and out of season. Convince, that means persuade. We already talked about rebuke. Sometimes it even means threatening. Doesn't the Bible threaten you once in a while? It does me. I mean, there's a couple of them in there that you, you really got to give some thought that in the last days, perilous times will come. The ones who say, there'll be people who will say, didn't we cast out demons in your name? Didn't, didn't we do all these sacrificial things in your name? And he's going to say, depart from me, I never knew you. Whoa. I mean, there's a few of them in there that I think you have to give a little thought to. Now, those who are headed in that direction, they will only listen to the Bible if they can reinterpret it to fit their own lifestyles. In other words, I don't want to change. I don't want to tell my boyfriend I'm not going to sleep with him anymore. I don't want to tell my girlfriend I'm not going to sleep with her anymore. I don't want, I don't want to do any of those things, but how can I take it and I can make it fit in there? Because God is a God of love, right? How could God be against Genuine love. Or any of you dope smokers, <laughs> convince yourself it's an herb. Right? What can be wrong with an, with an herb? Right? Some of you guys from the older, little older generation, you know what I'm talking about. Those were the arguments that everybody came up with. Timothy, fulfill your ministry. And folks, if God is speaking to you in any way, please know and understand, I didn't write this book. I'm not that smart. 
God wrote this book through the anointing of his Holy Spirit. All right, look at verse 6. For I am already, Paul's coming to the end of his life. I'm already being poured out as a drink offering, and my time of departure is at hand. I have fought the good fight. I think of Ace every time I read this. I fought the good fight. I've finished the race. I have kept the faith. And finally, there is laid up for me the crown of righteousness, which the Lord, the righteous judge, will give to me on that day. And not only to me, but also to all those who have loved his appearing. Be diligent to come to me quickly, for Demas has forsaken me, having loved the present world and has departed for Thessalonica, and Crescens for Galatia, and Titus for Dalmatia. Only Luke is with me. Get Mark and bring him with you, for he is useful to me in ministry. And Tychicus I have sent to Ephesus. You guys remember Paul and John Mark and Barnabas. They all, especially Paul and young Mark, they had a kind of a rift going because young Mark was, was young. And he was immature. So they kind of parted ways and Paul went out on his own without Barnabas and Mark. But here he says, it's been restored. Before I move, I just want to say this. If you've got a relationship that needs to be restored, just restore it. Just restore it. If there's any way possible for you to be able to restore that friendship or restore that relationship, throw out an olive branch. You know, try, try to do that. As much as lies within you to be at peace with all men. Sometimes it doesn't, you can't do it, but you can at least try. So he's grown up and he's become dependable. Now he's in the Mamertine prison. He's cold, it's dark, it's, it's damp. And here's what he says, bring the cloak that I left with Carpus. Bring me my coat at Troas when, when you come. And the books, especially the parchments. What's he looking for? <laughs> I, want the, I want the scriptures. It's the end of his time and he's saying, I want the scriptures. It wouldn't mind, I wouldn't mind being a little warmer than I am. The books, especially the parchments. Alexander the coppersmith did me much harm. May the Lord repay him according to his works. It's always better to leave those things in God's hands. You also must be aware of him, for he has greatly resisted your, our words. At my first defense, now this is sad. At my first defense, no one stood with me, but all forsook me. May it not be charged against him. How many of us can say that? Here's Paul. He's saying, the Apostle Paul, right? Look at how much he's done for everybody. And he goes, nobody stood with me. Like a bunch of mice when you turn on the light. They were gone because they were, gone because they were afraid. Afraid they would be killed. So they left. And then how many of us... I'm sure that some of you have had that happen to you. you. You can't live very long without having betrayal take place in your life. No matter how much you put into that relationship, they're not there when you need them. But how many of us can turn around and say what he said? Basically, don't hold it against them, God. Forgive them for it. Got something you're holding on? Ask God to give you the strength to forgive them. And ask God to forgive them. Why do you think God told us to leave it in his hands? Because he can measure it out right. Anger doesn't let us measure it out right. If you're really mad at somebody, you just want them 
Well, you just want them to croak, right? God, punish them. God, make them pay for it. But that's not what God does. God even loves those. God loves the sinner. God's going to be merciful to them. And that's why we want to take it in our own hands because we know God will be merciful to them. And they don't deserve mercy, right? May we be able to do that. He said, but the Lord stood with me. (laughs) There we are again. God will always stand with you. The Lord stood with me and he strengthened me so that the message might be preached fully through me and that all the Gentiles might hear. And I was delivered out of the mouth of the lion and the Lord will deliver me from every evil work and preserve me for his heavenly kingdom. To him be glory forever and ever. Amen. Greet Prisca and Aquila in the household of uh, Nisiphorus and Erastus. Stay, Erastus stayed in Corinth but Trophimus. He's going through his list of people. And saying where they're at and what they're doing. And um, I'll give you time. You can read that. In verse 22, he basically says, May the Lord Jesus Christ be with your spirit. Grace uh, be with you also. So he's saying his final goodbyes. Here's a man who's ready to die. And he wants his Bible. I read a lot of other people's last words, movie stars, people in general, some of them cursing God as they died. (laughs) He wants his Bible. No one stood with me. I don't know about you guys, I look at that and it kind of breaks my heart. If you've ever been hurt this way, you know what that feels like, to feel like you're all alone. I've watched parents disavow their kids. I've seen kids not want anything to do with their parents. I've seen kids who won't even let their grandparents see the grandchildren. If you've ever been through that kind of isolation and that kind of hurt, I look at the Apostle Paul and I think, I'd like to be like Paul. I mean, he's one of those mentors that you look at and go, man, other than Jesus, you look at guys from the Bible and you're going, he's a, he's a real man's man and loves the Lord in the process. And to think that all he sacrificed and all he did And the beatings that he took. Nobody's there with him. Nobody's really standing with him. He has maybe two or three that will come by and see him from time to time. May it be the same for us that our love for God's word grows in us to the point to where we don't want to be without it. We just don't want to be without it. Guys, one of my regular prayers is, God, give me a hunger and a thirst for your word and a hunger and thirst for righteousness. I think that's a good prayer, don't you? That's a a good closing prayer at night after you say your prayers. And because God loves you, he will do it. 
He will give those things to you. So I want to say this. If you're out chasing the world, I get it. I did it. And you probably, some of you have too. But I can also tell you it will leave you empty. And most likely it will deal you a hand that you were not meant to have to live with. But if that's going on, come, come back to the Lord. And I know that you know one message, one teaching may not put you in that place, but just remember those words. You can always come home. You can always come back to Jesus. And for those that are, of us that are Christians, and we got to live in this unsaved world, and we need to be raising children and grandchildren for Jesus. Let's pray.